You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. So we are continuing our fall series, Salt and Light. This, These words, Salt and Light, it comes out of... Um, Actually, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, it's his famous Sermon on the Mount. I mean, he talks about everything up and down and all over about the most essential principles, we might say, or what a genuine Christian life looks like. He starts out with this thing that's been called the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, he talks about what a blessed life looks like. And then Jesus throws in a couple of interesting sentences about his followers being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So that's where we got salt and light from. Before I read our passage of scripture today, um, I'm going to be talking about the greatest commandment. Last week, Bert, uh, Richard talked about the great commission. Today, I'm going to talk about the greatest commandment. Before I get to that, Anybody who's been in church any amount of time, uh, if you've read your Bible a few times, the passage we're going to read, the words in it are familiar. And you know, if you're like me, and I think you are, that when something's familiar, especially as familiar as what these words are, we don't always stop and think, how does that apply to me today, right now, where I live, where I am? So I'm going to try to help us do that just a tiny little bit today. So bear with me. Um, let's read from Matthew chapter 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two religious groups in the time of Jesus, both opposed to him. So I guess the Pharisees were happy because Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, a lawyer was an expert in the Mosaic law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So familiar. I've known for a while that I was going to be speaking on this verse, and I thought, oh, I need a fresh, I need something fresh on the inside of me. So um, last year, maybe in about May, somebody that I know uh, recommended a book, and I I took a screenshot, right? Just went on Amazon, took a screenshot so that I would remember this book and then I forgot about it. And uh, when I saw this verse and I thought about loving God with all my heart and loving my neighbor as myself, I thought, oh, oh yeah, my friend told me about a book. And I went back through my screenshots and I saw this book and the book is actually called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in a Post-Christian World. If you want to be challenged on the inside of you of what 
Loving Your Neighbor Looks Like. Go online, buy the book, borrow it from a friend. I got it for free on Audible, not because I had a credit, just because Audible thought I needed a free book. So I'm coming from that because I'm telling you that when something is so familiar to me and I don't want it to be anymore, I want to take a different route with it and think something through and reason and trust that the Lord's going to change my heart. And, and he should. And he does. And I was thinking about the scripture in Hebrews that talks that actually the word of God is like a sword that'll pierce us. It'll, it'll cut to the inside of us and it kind of divides us up and shows us maybe where we're missing the mark and where Jesus might want to change us. So I hope we get a little tiny bit of that today. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy to read a passage like this and never stop and think what it really means to us and to me today. Help us in this time this morning to grapple with the reality and the application of your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have a picture for you, because we're going to talk about loving God, but mostly we're going to talk about loving our neighbors. Last Sunday, Bert and I were in Winnipeg. We went before winter. Um, we were in Winnipeg We in the morning. We did lots of things there with uh, with our two Every Nation churches in Winnipeg. Did you know we have two? We have two Every... That's four. We have two Every Nation churches in Winnipeg on your on your this side over here, on whatever that side is. That's Pastor Prime and Gia. They pastor Every Nation Winnipeg. And last Sunday was super exciting because they actually have secured a building um, 24-7 for the next five days. They have a lease, and so they renovated and did all this stuff. And last Sunday was like the grand opening and the ribbon cutting. And so Bert and I were there, and Bert got to preach, and it was really fun to celebrate with them. The other couple on this side... My right, which means it's your left. Pastors Derek and Priscilla Moodley. Now, Derek and Priscilla do something unique. Unique to our Every Nation family in Canada, but I hope we do more of this. See, we're standing in front of a sign that says Freedom House. Well, Freedom House is where Derek and Priscilla are the pastors. It is a house in the core area of Winnipeg that serves the homeless the vulnerable, the less fortunate. They do a breakfast program during the week. They uh, have a food bank. They give clothing. They're gathering winter coats right now for the cold Winnipeg winter. They uh, Sundays, they have a Sunday service. Um, the people have some challenges, so the Sunday service is about 30 minutes long. Some of you might say, yes, we should do a 30-minute service. No, they do about 30 minutes, and then they serve a hot meal. And uh, talk about loving your neighbor. I had, I met some really beautiful people, some people whose lives, we, we just can't imagine the troubles they've faced. I prayed with a woman who a couple of days before had um, found her 21-year-old grandson whom she had raised dead. What do you do with that? How do you love your neighbor? So I've been listening to a book to try to see my heart change. I actually had this immersive experience and being at Freedom House and being reminded that love for our neighbor is super practical, super practical, super hands-on. Um, so 
Today we're going to look at, we're going to look at love for God, but we're going to look at love for neighbor because the two things are inextricably linked. You can't take one without the other. You can't just love God and not love your neighbor. You can't just try to love neighbor without the love of God in you. And so we're going to look at just some all over the map things about loving our neighbors. And we're going to start in the book of, in 1 John. Um, because John was one of Jesus' really good friends, and we're going to start in a hard place, because why not, right? Uh, here's what John said. He said, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen. In other words, if you can't love flesh and blood, you're not loving God who you haven't seen. John said it, not me. If you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you're a liar. Let's go on to Jesus. Love your neighbor, the light of the world. From the scripture that we've based this sermon series on, Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, in the same way, he's talking a lot of things, but he says, in the same way, let your light shine. Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It, loving your neighbor, we're going to be the light of the world, but it's going to involve some good works. It's going to involve actually the things that we do for other people so that they can see the love of God. You know, um, the gospel, the good news, Rich talked about the gospel a couple of weeks ago. The gospel, the good news actually needs to be spoken. Paul, um, Paul wrote in Romans, he talked about um, people aren't going to hear. They're not, they're not going to hear. Uh, they're not going to believe if they don't hear, and they're not going to hear if nobody tells them. So there is a part of the gospel where if people are going to hear it, they actually need to hear the words that we speak to one another, uh, and we speak to them. You know, there's an idiom that says actions speak louder than words, but I think actually actions open the door for our words. They open the door for us to have um, the opportunity then to speak the good news of Jesus to people. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, if you see a brother or sister without food, and you just say to them, have peace, be well, go. But you don't meet that need. What good is it? That our faith, that when we say we believe in God, that when we say we follow Jesus, but there's not action accompanying that, that it's as good as dead. So, love your neighbor, friend to a stranger. This is probably one of my favorite. One verse, one line Paul wrote in Romans, and yet it captures so much. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So, saints, the... Um, that, that the word saint from the original Greek word just means somebody set apart for God. In other words, somebody who actually fo is following God right now. We would say a believer, a follower of Jesus. But the word hospitality. The word hospitality means to love a stranger. To love a foreigner. Okay, we call that table out there 
Uh, when we put food out, we call it our hospitality table. And yes, we're feeding people we know and we love. But the true meaning of that word, the true meaning of hospitality, the true challenge from Paul is to seek, to pursue, and to practice hospitality. And that means showing love to strangers to foreigners, to just people you don't yet know. Strangers don't say strangers forever, right? Eventually they become your friends, maybe. Uh, so Henry Nowen, a well-known author, passed away quite a number of years ago, but here's what he said. In our world full of strangers, estranged from their past, culture, and country, from neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest self and their God, we witness a painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. Hospitality, therefore, means primarily a creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. I said I read a book. I actually listened to a book. Uh, the gospel comes with a house key. Uh, here's what the author said. Our post-Christian neighbors, we know that. We know Canada was a Christian nation marked by Christianity for many years. We live in a post-Christian world. Our post-Christian neighbors need to hear and see and taste and feel authentic Christianity. Hospitality spreading from every Christian home. That means whether there's one of you in your home or whether there's five. Every Christian home that includes neighbors in prayer, in food and fellowship. Child care and dog walking. In other words, in the spiritual, in the food, but also in the practical things we do for one another. And all the daily matters upon which friendships are built. Love your neighbor. Jesus said it, and Paul repeated it more than once. Galatians 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers, brethren, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, Jesus set you free, but it wasn't just for you, and it wasn't just for me. <sighs> but through love serve one another. For the whole law. In other words, everything that was written, the instruction given to Israel before Jesus came to earth, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Romans, Paul repeats himself, the commandments, and he lists some of them. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. Whatever other command there may be are all summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus was having a chat with a guy about this, and the guy had the nerve to ask him who his neighbor was. So, love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Let's read from the book of Luke. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Probably always a mistake to try and test Jesus, because I think he never failed to have an answer. But he said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered. So this guy, expert in the law, love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. And then the guy says to him, in fact, it says, to justify himself. Do you ever do that? Want to justify the way you do or don't act? To justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, what follows in the book of Luke is probably the one of the most, whether you've read a Bible, whether you've had any experience in the church, the next story is pretty famous. Okay, maybe the story isn't, but people know the words Good Samaritan. They'll use them. They'll say, man, this guy, he did this or that, and she did this, and they were such a Good Samaritan. In fact, on the, the law books in Canada, there's a Good Samaritan law about what your responsibilities are and aren't in your life liability if you help somebody who's injured or hurt or so those words good samaritan but jesus begins when the guy says to him who's my neighbor jesus says you want to know okay here it is and he tells a story about a man who was seriously injured at the side of the road and the two guys who claim to be religious claim to be lovers of god crossed the road went to the other side and ignored that guy tried to keep their distance because he was in really rough shape. And a Samaritan, who was an enemy to the guy who was laying in the ditch, set aside any of his prejudice and any hatred between their cultures, and he bent down and he took care of that man and he took him to an inn and he paid for his care and he bound up his wounds. And uh, Jesus showed us what a neighbor was. It wasn't the people that you like. That your roommate, your wife, your husband, your cousins, uh, your family members, people from your same culture, people whose skin is the same color as mine, who speak the same language as me. Jesus said, two people are as different as different can be. This is an example of being a neighbor. Here's another book worth reading. I have a quote from, it's called The Art of Neighboring. The Art of Neighboring. And uh, the author writes this, I have come to believe that as followers of Jesus, one of the worthiest endeavors we can undertake is to take the great commandments seriously and learn how to be in relationship with our literal neighbors. So, love your neighbor. You say you love God? Okay, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Show your good deeds and be the light of the world. Love your neighbor. Be a friend of the stranger. Jesus said it. Paul repeated it. Who is your name, neighbor? It might be the stranger, the foreigner, the enemy. Finally, love your neighbor. This next thing's a little... Okay, I'll leave it. You see how you feel at the end of it. Love your neighbor. Eternal consequences. Here's a scripture from Matthew. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I pulled that out of context. Because here's how the whole story that Matthew recounts the words of Jesus. Here's how it goes. He's talking about the Son of Man. When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, returns to the earth, he's going to sit on his throne. And all the nations will be gathered to him. Sounds like kind of like the end of time, right? All the nations are going to be gathered to him. And this 
son of man, the king, he's going to separate the people. He's going to put some on the left and some on the right. It says, like a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate people. He's going to separate them. Hmm, okay, interesting. And he's going to turn to the guys on his right, men, women. He's going to turn to them, and he's going to say, uh, come, you are blessed by my father. You're blessed by my father. The kingdom has been prepared for you from the creation of time. And then here's what he says. He said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink, and I didn't have clothes, and you gave me clothing. And I was sick, and you, you looked after me, and I was in prison, and you came and you met my needs. And the righteous, the people on the right, they said to him, when did we do this? And he said this. He said, truly, I tell you, when you did it for the least of these the one who's down and out, the one who doesn't have and doesn't know, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it for me. And then the story goes on. And uh, the king, the son of man, at the end of time, he turns to the ones on his left, and he says, depart from me, you're cursed. In fact, he says, you're, he, he says, you're cursed into an eternal fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are really hard words. I don't know what to do with those. It, those are hard words. Uh, those talk about some kind of eternal consequence that I can't get my head around, but Jesus said it. And, he, and, and of course, they're like, what? And he said, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat and I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink and I didn't have any clothes and you didn't give me any and uh, I was sick and you didn't tend to me and I was in prison and you never fed, you never came and visited me, you never looked after me. And they answered, when? When did this happen? And he said, when you didn't do it, for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. I don't know what to do with that, but I want it to be like Hebrews said, that sharp sword that goes into me and maybe changes me a little bit. And I hope it does the same for all of us sitting here today. So love your neighbor, love, love your neighbor, love God, be the light of the world, be a friend of strangers, <sighs> know who your neighbor is, have in the back of your mind, there are eternal consequences for you and for others. Finally, let's get practical and not quite so heavy. We are doing, oh, what did I do with mine? I didn't put a big one on the screen. I just have a tiny one, but they're on the table. We're doing our Pe Pepsi card. We're taking the challenge together as a church. We're hoping everybody grabs one of these. And this is our Pepsi card. We made that up. Pray, eat, bless, connect, and invite. We want to figure out who it is in our life that people who don't know Jesus, people who we come in contact with every day, not your cousin in Australia, but somebody who crosses your path. Maybe they live in your building. Maybe they sit across from you at work. Maybe they're a classmate. We want to trust for a name, a group of people, some names, two, three, four, five. And we want to commit to pray for these people. Now, true confessions here, my, me, honestly, true confessions. In January, in fact, I can tell you when. 
January 25th, in my journal, I write, not every day, but I write, and on the top of the page, I wrote, I felt like I was supposed to pray for my neighbor across the street. So I wrote that down. Her name's Joanna. I wrote, pray for Joanna, and then I wrote her husband's name and her two kids, and I was committed to pray for them, and it lasted, I don't know how long it lasted, a couple of weeks, because when we started talking about pulling out the Pepsi card again and doing it together as a church, I thought, I knew I was supposed to be praying for Joanna. <sighs> and I let it, I, just, I didn't do it. So I'm trying again. And I'm going to fill out the back of this card. And her, and her name, well, maybe won't be in the top slot. Maybe it'll be number two, because Rich said to us, in the last couple of weeks, he said, maybe my name and yours needs to go in the top slot because I really want my heart to change. I really want to care about my neighbors. Oh, I mean seriously care about my neighbors and their well-being. We sing a song. I almost asked Joel to do this one, but um, we sing a song. It's an old uh, Hillsong song. Hillsong song. <laughs> Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. And then the next line is, break my heart for what breaks yours. <sighs> my, my heart doesn't break for the lost. Honestly, my heart doesn't break for the lost, and I want it to. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. <clears throat> so who should you pray for? <clears throat> well, uh... Step one, do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors? Step one might be to introduce yourself to a neighbor. Maybe it's a physical neighbor in the house or the condo next door. Um, it's pretty easy. You go, hey, I'm Sheila, and I'm your neighbor. And you know what the person will say? Hey, I'm Tristan. They'll respond. And next time you see them in the hall of your condo or the elevator, you say, hey, Tristan. And uh, they, wow, somebody in the condo talked to me. Yeah, you know. What do you do? Never mind. You know what you do in an elevator. <laughs> and then maybe you start a conversation. Uh, how long have you lived in the building? Pretty simple question, right? Or, um, wow, your dog is cute. Because everybody in the condo has a dog. Um, so you start a conversation. We're starting with baby steps. You know, if you want to care about people, you have to know people. And we can get to the point where nobody in our life is anybody outside of our comfort zone. So what does it look like to step out of that? Step out. I want people to pray for, but I got to know some people to have some people to pray for. Um, there's this chart that I'm going to get the slide people to put up. It's from The Art of Neighboring, this book, Who is My Neighbor? Now, when Bert and I were living in Etobicoke, we were renting a little house, and it was in like a neighborhood, a real neighborhood, and so we put one of these on our fridge. And in the middle, that was us, the Thompson family. And then we decided when we moved in there, we were going to learn the names of everybody who lived around us. So we did. Hey, we're new to the neighborhood. Um, we're Bert and Sheila. These are our boys. And uh, 
they, they reciprocate. They, they tell you their name. Next time you see them, you have a conversation, a little bit about some nice car. Our next door neighbor, I think he had a Porsche. It might have been something else, but it was pretty nice. So, you know, nice car. And so then on that block, you write the neighbor's names, and then you write, he drives a really sweet car. Um, so you know which neighbor it is. And then one day, you're shoveling snow in the driveway, and and he starts, and my our neighbor starts to talk to us about his son with special needs. And you go, what's his son's name? And so I put that down there. And so I know him and his wife's name, and I know that he drives a sweet car, but I also know that they have a burden in their life, a son with some special needs. So we did that in our neighborhood. You can find this online. You can put it in your fridge. I don't do this anymore. I put them in my phone. <clears throat> I put them in my phone if I meet somebody new, if I meet a neighbor. And as I learn things about them, super practical. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I go to the Y. I go to the Y three days a week. Um, I go to a class. I go to an Aquafit class. That's what old people do. Okay, I'm one of the younger ones in the class. Us young folks, we go in the deep water, and the old people... I know you're laughing, you think I'm old, but really I'm one of the young ones in the class. So when the pandemic was over and it was a new group of people and I had met one or two of them before, I thought, okay, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, these people are my neighbors for an hour a week and then a few minutes in the change room. So listen, I am not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I would rather go to the gym and not talk to anybody. Put up your hand. Oh, forget it, don't. Um, <laughs> So I thought, okay, Lord, between you and me, I'm going to take the plunge here. Oh, in the pool. That was awful. Um, I know. And I started with one. I said, hey, by the way, my name's Sheila. And you know what people do? They go, hi, I'm Karen. And then another one, hey, I'm Diane. And I said, this might take me a while, but I'm going to work really hard to learn everybody's name. So then somebody new would come along and I'd say, I'm working hard on learning everybody's name and it might take me a month or a year, but I'm Sheila. And they would tell me their name. There's a funny thing about when you know one another's name. Conversation actually goes to the next level. You walk into a place, you actually make eye contact with a stranger and you say, hey, Ellen. And Ellen goes, hey, Sheila. And you have the beginning of a conversation. It is small. This is what I'm trying to tell you. We're trying to do pray and eat and bless. But we need to start to know people. And to know people, the baby steps. It's pretty simple, right? Yeah. So, you know what? It doesn't just start there. I've had great conversations with the women I've gotten to know at the pool. One of the ladies, she knows I think they all know now what Bert and I do for a living, um, which I didn't want them to know. I first wanted them to know me as a person, which they did. So one of the ladies, she knows Bert and I are pastors. She knows I believe in God. She regularly asks me to pray for her three adult children. She doesn't believe in God. She kind of believes in the universe. So she doesn't ask me to send my good thoughts to the universe. She asks me to pray for her kids. I know their names and I know their troubles because my friend has told me about them. This week, I was super excited. One of my older friends, she turned 80 in June. And I've known her now a couple of years. And um, this week on Wednesday, she said to me, there's something nobody knows about me. Okay. Uh, you're 80 years old and there's something nobody knows. She goes, I don't go to church now. 
She said, but I went to Bible college for two years. Okay. You know what? She felt like she could trust me. I left it at that. In fact, I didn't ask her anything. Why did you leave? Because you know what's on the inside of my head. Why did you leave? Why did you leave God? Why did you? What, what happened? And uh, it wasn't time. I just went, wow, where did you go? And cause, But now you know, I've got a place one day when the two of us are together to find out what her story is, all from learning her name, all from learning her name. Okay, pray. So we got to populate our card. We want some people to pray for who don't know Jesus. The first step might be making a conversation. Then uh, eat. Um, You know what? If you get invited to a party, please say yes. Oh, what if they drink at that party? Well, you don't have to drink at the party, but please say yes. If you get invited to a party in your neighborhood, if if your condo throws a Halloween party or Christmas party for the kids, say yes. Go. Go, go be with people. Because if you want to care about people, you've got to know people. You've got to know their stories. We have an annual neighborhood Christmas party. It's a wine and cheese party. It's a cookie exchange. We're buying, everybody's bringing a gift for, um, you know, to give to the Toy Mountain thing. And um, I look forward to this every year because it never fails. I have an interesting conversation and usually a spiritual one with one of my neighbors because it's Christmas. Um, so eat. Maybe it's going out for coffee with somebody. Maybe it's going out for a meal. Maybe if you're a really good cook, it's making them some chocolate chip cookies or something and giving it to a neighbor. Bless. And we're going to stop there. We're going to do pray and we're going to eat and we're going to bless. Because if we never do those things, if we don't build relationships, we're never going to connect and we're never going to invite. Right? we got to start with the easy ones, and seriously, the easy ones to build relationships. We were living in the condo. A neighbor was pregnant. I crochet. I made her a baby outfit. I took it down. I knocked on her door. I gave it to her. She burst into tears. No one had ever made her anything by hand before. To me, it's like, you know, it's easy. It's easy. Um, my next door neighbor, the one with the Porsche, his wife had a baby. I made a baby blanket for her. Sometime early in this year, I had not seen her. We moved like from that house five years ago, five and a half. In the spring, I ran into her. Okay, I ran into her in the beauty salon. Now, I know you think this is my natural color, but actually there's some gray under here. So I had this mud all over my head and this younger woman with mud all over her head came up to my chair and she said, do you remember me? Good thing I remembered her face because her hair looked different. And I said, absolutely. And we chatted for a minute and she said, you know the blanket you made Lila? Now Lila must be eight or nine. She said, it's still Lila's favorite blanket. I don't know long-term what spiritual effect that will have on my neighbor. But you know our neighbors knew what we did for a living. Not just that, they knew we were Christians. We lived a, a Christian life. and um, <clears throat> So I don't know the long-term outcome, but I know that I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be hospitable and I'm going to make friends of strangers. Finally, as a man, way over time here, um, Bert has a hobby. If you follow him on Instagram, Bert is crazy about the grass in our front lawn. You know, the grass in the front lawn has opened to more conversations 
spiritual conversations and acts of service. Single mom in the neighborhood, Bert's helped her make her lawn beautiful, um, cuts her grass every once in a while, rakes her leaves for her. Single mom, two teenage kids, a lot on her plate. Um, do you have a hobby, a talent, an interest? It's a really good place and way to get to know people. Finally, maybe it's an, a gift to give to somebody. My last story. Um, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but we had a neighbor who hated us. And I mean literally hated us. And it was our next door neighbor. It's pretty hard when you're, the husband and wife next door hate you. I do not know why they hated us. I think it had something to do with our faith, but... Don't quote me on that. Um, I, and something had happened, and again, she was. they were mad at us. And what had happened was my teenage children left the outdoor lights on when they came home late at night. Okay, you could, that's how, that, how fragile the relationship was. I thought, what am I going to do? Send her flowers. I got on the computer. I ordered a big bouquet of flowers, and I sent them to Marilyn next door. And things started to change. An act of kindness towards somebody who was hostile towards me. And things started to change. <coughs> Finally, what good things might happen if you truly got to know the people in your neighborhood and they got to know you. And finally, that was almost finally. Here's finally. <clears throat> How would you complete the sentence? The Son of Man came. The Son of Man came preaching the word. The Son of Man came to establish the kingdom, to die on the cross. There are three ways the New Testament completes the sentence, the Son of Man came. The Son of Man came to not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking. What might it look like as we finish off this year and as we take seriously, pray, eat, bless, <clears throat> what might it look like if we had a little more of the heart of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, in the days and the weeks ahead, as this year comes to a close and as another one starts, help us. Help us to love our neighbor. I pray we'd look a little bit more like Jesus, that we'd seek out the lost, that we'd serve them, and that it might be eating and drinking together, but help us to be a friend to those who don't know Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.